Welcome back to another edition of Laid on the Table, the Southern Board Game Podcast. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm leaving that in. All right, we're going to try it again. All right, man. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Laid on the Table, the Southern Board Game Podcast with the accent on Southern. As usual, I am your host, Joe Mahaffey, and I'm always joined by my partner in crime... James Englehart, good to be here, Joe. We had one false start, but it's one. still there wasn't three or four, so I'm feeling like uh, it's we're back on track. I I made the mistake of not having the copy right where I could see it, and I just uh, thought, oh, I'll be fine, and then I just blew it. So anyway, I'll decide later if I'm going to leave that in or not. We'll we'll decide. That's it's always funnier when I do, at least to me. I think it's funnier too. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, so it's it's been a few weeks since we've had an opportunity to speak. We we spoke with. Uh, uh, our guest last time. We don't have a guest today, so it's a good opportunity for us to sort of catch up on what's been going on in our own uh, world of board games. And so let's just kind of get started with uh, with what's on the table. Um, do you want to go first? I was going to say, what is on your table? I can I can go first, sure. Yeah, because you've got, you got a lot more than I do. So <laughs> Yeah, so I'll try to move through. Um, I think, well, we... Uh, just the other day, uh, last weekend, we had some big storms come through here and uh, blew out the power. Mm-hmm. And Emerson was down for his nap. We were working, and the lights went out. The computers died. Everything was over. We said, hmm, if there was only something we could do with the lights out, oh, my goodness, there's several hundred board games here. So uh, we went to the shelf and went out to the the one room that has kind of good ambient lighting and uh, so played Sansusi, which I've talked about before, um, a classic from way back. And that's a nice little tile laying, and that was nice. And then we went to a one that we hadn't played in a while that we really well, if loved. I can, if I can interrupt yeah. you on there, isn't there a sure. reprint coming on Sansusi, or is there something? I think there is. I've been seeing yeah. stuff in like the, the the feeds and stuff that there might very well be something new coming out in that world. Or there's, a, there's either a reprint with some really nice um, – people or uh, artifacts to go with it that are really uh, upgraded, upgraded pieces, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm saying very no, that makes sense. Here. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fantastic little game. It's yeah. a really nice kind of lightweight, um, like probably a gateway level, you know, it's yeah. a little more interesting. Um, you get a little hand of cards. You will, everybody has exactly the same hand of car or same uh, cards, you shuffle them up. So they'll come out in different patterns uh, and then they'll let you either pick uh, a colored row, a uh, column, no, colored row, and the columns are all different kinds of uh, things you would find in a garden, uh, oh. topiaries, uh, fountains, statues. These are very, it's the space on the Sansusi guard. So these are very fancy uh, garden type things. Um, and you're trying to, you've got two little secret uh, goal cards that are going to be different each turn or each uh, time you play. Um, and so, you're just trying to fill in your little garden um, board. And there's a couple of um, sort of variations that are built into the box, which is nice. It gives you uh, some things once you've sort of figured out what the base game is. But it's really simple to sit down in front of somebody and say, you have two cards, you play one, you put the thing on your on your board, and you draw the card. Oh, and that's it. Yeah, so it's pretty 
pretty straightforward and it was nice just you know to have that and we live in the San Susi neighborhood of, of Greenville right. so uh, that was an easy um, easy one to get to hear easy all, one to say hey, out let's hear, play that hear that all of our stalker fans you now know where to find James yeah yeah <laughs> good luck yeah uh, so then and then also uh, yeah between Furman and Furman, yeah. yeah so we also played uh, Thurn and Taxus which is one we hadn't played in a, in a long time. Uh, that's also a one a blast from the past kind of game. Okay. Uh, I want to say it was like a Spiel des Jahres winner years ago, um, but I cannot remember now. Um, yeah, and it's kind of I, when I first pitched it to to Laura to play um, a couple of years ago. I said it's um, it's like Ticket to Ride, but more. Okay. And she was like, okay, and. Um, and it is. It's a. It's a real nice. Um, yeah, one of Spiel des Jahres in two thousand six. Nice. And you are drafting little uh, cards that have names of German cities, and then when you have enough of them in a row, you play them down in front of you. There's rules for how they get played down, and then you can score them and put little meeples. And there are rules about which kind of, how you can put those out. Um, and you're trying to build. You're never blocking anybody. There's no real route building, but there's strategies for filling in different areas and getting bonus bonuses for that um, and fulfilling certain sort of contracts in a row. And it's a lot of fun. And there was another good one, you know, since lights are out, let's just play that. Nice. Um, yeah, I think, and, yeah. I, I just think it's interesting, you know, when we live in such a connected world and, you know, it's it's nice to know that we still have options when we get disconnected from that world. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Board no, it was game. super fun, too. It was like, huh, the lights went out, and about three seconds later, both said, so, board games? Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and then another old one we just got to the table last night. I finally convinced her by pitching it as um, the quest for El Dorado with, a, again, sort of like uh, Thurn and Taxis and Ticket to Ride, the quest for El Dorado with a little bit more. And she said, it was more than a little bit more, but it was really good. <laughs> uh, so Lewis and Clark, the expedition is a uh, 2013 and it had a recent reboot too. So there's a second edition that came out a couple of just a handful of years ago. Okay. Um, and I don't know exactly the date of that. So there's a new version floating around. If you're looking up rules and stuff. Well, no, that's really cool. I mean, I was obviously, you know, I was a history major at uh, yes. Wofford College. And um, one of my one of my favorite uh, books is the Lewis and Clark biography by Stephen Ambrose. Oh, and nice. it's an amazing, yep. it's an amazing mm-hmm. depiction of that story of leaving from really what is today Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and making their way all the way out to uh, the Pacific uh, Northwest. And so, uh, I, I would be very intrigued to l- take a look at that game and just sort of see how the mechanics, um, uh, match up to the actual story. Well, and that's, thank you for setting me up for that. Uh, it's, it starts, <laughs> like we rehearsed this. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, I know. Uh, we, the game starts in St. Louis Okay, and I picked it up when I was living in Nebraska. So very close to where the, sure. um, where the expedition was going. And so it's a, it's both a deck builder and a worker placement. And you're, you have Native American meeples that go to a sort of shared board sure. and they're going out and bringing uh, materials back. And that's the worker placement part. 
And then you're also drafting cards. You have a basic hand of cards that starts things that have the kinds of things that you would sort of expect from um, from this sort of game, right? Some give you resources, some make help you move forward, which is what you're wanting to do. Um, some break the rules in one way or another. But each of the cards is individually numbered, okay. uh, particularly the ones that you, the encountered cards. And they are, I want to say there's like, 58 of them and they're all unique and they're all named after the people that the Lewis and Clark encountered and who, or who were living in that area. Um, so there's a whole lot of history uh, that's in the game. Now that flavor text is in a, you know, is in the back of the book if you want to read it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, we, but we, uh, we, God forbid we learn something playing games. I know, but it was super cool. Like, okay, <laughs> I want that guy does. And they all sort of matched with what their, who they were to the expedition. Please tell me there's uh, a grizzly bear card. There is not. There is a uh, Newfoundland dog card though. Mm, okay. So, but he's helpful. You're not really being set upon by bears. You're really just trying to get well, across uh, all of that. There's, there's an iconic story in the diaries and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go off nerd in a different nerd way. All right, um, man. There's a, there's an iconic story in the, in the diaries where the native Americans tell them about the grizzly bear and they're like, oh, that's just because you have these inferior weapons. We will go and find this grizzly bear. Huh. A- and I can't remember if it was Lewis or Clark, but uh, he shot one. <laughs> and, and it kept coming. And it kept coming. And remember, <laughs> the, the, the firearms in those days were fire. And then there was a big process of pause. Yes, yeah. while you're waiting to it. And evidently, he finally was up a tree shooting down at the bear when he finally felled the bear. Wow. And after a few attempts at this, they decided, you know what? We're just going to leave the bears alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to respect yeah. the bear. It's, which, it's good uh, to pay attention to your uh, native yeah. guides and what they tell you, too. So that was just, yeah. that's why I was really hoping that that story has always stuck with me. That's why I was really hoping there was going to uh, be a, uh, a grizzly bear card or something like that. That's okay. awesome. Cool. No, and it's, it's the reason I got it off the shelf was because uh, the, Board Game Geek Store has these um, 24-hour flash sales, and they had geek up bits. Oh, yeah. And so – and the original materials that come in the box, it's these color – it's these cubes or hexagonal cubes, and they have nothing on them. So the white is horses somehow. So there's – yeah. And the geek up bits had stuff, icons on them, so you knew what you were nice. actually doing. So that was nice. Yeah. Uh, but then take it – you're, you're uh, racing to Fort Clatsop. And first person who brings their camp there wins. It's it's a pretty straightforward race, but how you get that race going is sort of fun. Laura had a great time. We've been talking about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're um, you know, we're we're still kind of going through our little wall of shame, and then of certain, of course, certain things will present themselves and mm-hmm. and create a distraction. So it was. Um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, two weeks ago, yeah, it was two weeks ago. I was in the friendly local game store, Carolina Tabletop mm-hmm. Games, not a sponsor. Um, and no longer letting teens without uh, adults around. Yeah. Uh, evidently, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, I'm still, I was evidently oblivious to this uh, until yesterday <laughs> it was brought to my attention. I don't know the backstory there. I'll have to figure that out. It seems something uh, about uh, kids uh, stealing older people's beer. So that's just hilarious. Ah, okay. 
Uh, you, you've obviously investigated it more than I have that now. I, it was it was on Facebook. There was a discussion. I, ah, I didn't see the Facebook. I was watching the Discord that channel. That was funny. Yeah, that no. is pretty funny. Uh, one of the drawbacks, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was in the friendly local game store protecting my beer. I knew exactly where it was <laughs> at all times. And uh, we had, um, instead of doing a painting day two weeks ago, we did a learn a new game day. And so I was teaching ah. a bunch of people how to play Flamecraft, which was a lot of fun. And uh, one of my former scouts, who is now a teacher in Charlotte, runs a um, uh, RPG club at his school, um, or tabletop role playing club, I should say. Right. And um, he was in there with his crew, and they were playing uh, Garden Bow. Yeah. And I went over to take a look at it, and I was like, "Oh, this is a Dale game." <laughs> in other words, it's a game that Dale would love. And it was, of course, it was Easter and coming up. And I was like, you know, this was, we always like to have like a spring-based uh, theme game. And so I went ahead and picked it up. Sure. And boy, that's a fun game. Yeah. It is like dominoes. Pretty looking, too. But it is, you know, there's some strategy to it. You're, you're thinking the way that it's structured, you're really thinking steps ahead. To how mm-hmm. are you going to get to the end, and and it's and it's also, you know, very satisfying from a score perspective because I've won and Dale have has won, and our scores are are balanced in the sense that there's multiple ways to run up the points. There's a there's a there's the sense that you have these certain tiles, at least with the base. There's like a starter set of tiles, and then mm-hmm. there's more advanced. So we're still on the on the starter tiles, but there's a sense you're always going to get the starter tiles out. There's not any, the way that the mechanic of the game operates, there's no possible way that you couldn't. Okay. So the, the gap in your score is how well you play the bonuses that are on some of those things. And gotcha. one of them is leaving holes in your garden. So a little square. And then yeah, it looks like it's a, so you lay it out. It looks like kind of like a King Domino sort of setup. Yeah. Um, so you've got – sometimes they're the same. Uh, yeah, but the, don't get caught up in the whole King Domino thing. It's a different mechanic altogether that looks as okay. – I mean in the sense that it's a domino type of – Right, of, and you're trying not to leave gaps. Right, but would, but you don't have to – it doesn't have to be like on like and, and stuff oh, okay. like that. So you, you have a little lot of flexibility. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get ceilings out. Then once you get the seedlings out, you cover the seedlings with plants. And once you get yeah. the appropriate plants out, you can flower the plant. Ah, okay. So it's it's three-dimensional in many respects. Um, and those are your, your points are those tiles that you get on top. It's, very, it's a very uh, accessible game. I honestly think it would be a good gateway game. It's, it's kind of got yeah. that appeal of, you know, it's, it's competitive, but it's not mean. It's... Um, you know, enjoyable in the sense that it takes about an hour ish to play with two people. We'd love to play it with four just to see what that's like. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just really fun, really fun game. So we've been playing that, uh, obviously Easter was in there. So this was kind of like the only game we got out. We had a lot of stuff going on. Fair. So, uh, but today I think we're talking about, um, getting out, uh, don't forget the kittens, which is the sequel to, or the add-on to Isle of Cats, and so we'll see what that, uh, right, okay. how that plays. We haven't that's on our shelf of shame. We've had it for a while, and we kind of put it away so that we could give it to the the extra copy to our our daughter for Christmas. And so, oh. um, 
we haven't really had a chance to pull that out. Um, and I'll talk in a little bit what I'm hoping will show up today. Um, okay. The other game <clears throat> that I played since we were last together is we, as you know, we have a new player in our D&D group, Doug. Yes, and, yes. And uh, midweek he invited me to come to his house to meet some other folks and play HeroQuest. Uh, and the 20, there's a throwback. The 2021 reprint that was put uh, okay. together by Hasbro Labs. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, do I really, you know, at first I was like, yeah, that sounds good. But I was like checking with making sure Dale was like, well, I have plans Friday night, you know, or any, something like that. But nope, she was good with it. So there was no reason not to go. Um, and I, I got to tell you, the first thing I know, first of all, I'll tell you this. It's the first time I, I thought we were, I looked at it and go, oh, we're going to meet at the game store. And then I realized, nope, he's inviting us to his house. And it gave me pause. Okay. Only because it's, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's been really such a long um, time since people said, yeah, come to the house. You know, enough, it's yeah. just, it yeah. just, I just was struck by the fact that I paused. It didn't, didn't, I didn't hesitate. It was just sort of like, huh, huh. you know, that kind of thing. But man, this was a blast. It was, uh, oh, good. This was, uh, you know, five guys uh, sitting in a room uh, on a dining room table. We had the game out. Um, the guy who had backed the, it wasn't a, it was like Hasbro labs, which is their version of Kickstarter, I guess. Okay. Uh, he had the full set. Nice to have your own version of Kickstarter. Evidently. Yeah. We'll work on that project <laughs> for the future. So he had all the, all the, the bits and everything. And, um, and it was like a, just, you know, a straight two hours. It was like a two hour one shot. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Two hours isn't too bad. Yeah. For, yeah. For, and then we did like the what they call campaign zero, so it was probably the easiest. But um, you know the mechanic was simple. Uh, once we kind of got the rules and uh, everything down, it was uh, it flowed pretty well, and we all kind of jumped into our characters um, pretty well. By the way, my character you're, you're going to love this because this will come up later in topic. I was a half elf, <laughs> half elf rogue. Yes, and, and I had a bandolier and um, you know throwing daggers. It was great. Ah, I was, that sounds. I good. was the only one that could do a real decent ranged effect on the the baddies with throwing daggers. Yeah. Wow. So it was. Yeah. These were like you know level yeah. level zero. Right. What I'm saying. Right. No, but it was fun. It was it was fun. We um. And it has that throwback art on it. That looks like yeah, yeah. They did a they did a nice job with it. I've seen it retail in the store. I think the only difference between the retail version and the Hasbro Lab Mythic Edition is you Dun, get duh. you get more minis in the Mythic Edition, and there's one or two extra stories quests. One of them written by Joe Manganello, which we'll talk a little bit about him a little bit later. Okay. Um, that was included in the pack. Uh, that is not part of the retail version. In the retail versions, you get the main base game, and then there's other upgrades you can buy. But uh, but you know, it was just it was fun fun time. I'm glad that um, yeah. I have a friend that has it, so I can say, hey, let's get together and play again. And I don't have to buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's, it's great to have these sort of classic games that uh, I still haven't touched because I you know I mean that that goes way back. Yeah. Uh, like, it's fun that it's the, they've got the newer. Yeah. 1989 yeah. is when it rolled out. So you would have been in college. I would have. So, yeah, but it was, it was fun. And, um, you know, we got done and it was like, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. 
Excellent. So, um, yeah, it's sort of similarly. Um, uh, well, I was going to say, Lauren, I also played Cascadia a little while ago, but Colony was one uh, from a couple of years ago again as well. And it was one where Laura was like, oh, that was nice. 2016. So, yeah, six years ago. And it's a um, you're using dice as resources in this post-apocalyptic thing setting, but it, you never felt like it was a, you know, so like a, a one is food and a two is cloth and a three is and you're never thinking, OK, I need three cloth and one oil it's just like i need three threes and a six right so yeah and you're just manipulating dice to fulfill goals and it was super it was pretty light i liked it just fine that seemed like a fun thing to do with dice and cards but laura was like "Eh," even though i like (laughs) post-apocalypse yeah so but uh it was fun speaking of things that you like 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 to get off the table or like to get off the shelf and at least tried a couple times. Well, and it's funny too. I can't, it's, it's funny you mentioned it that way. I can't think of a game that we have on the shelf that we don't like. And so from some variant, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think if, if anything kind of gets the bums rush is probably the villainous mm-hmm. just because it's, sense. it's, you know, it's when it's two player, I don't know. It's just not as satisfying as when you have multi, we did once at the game store. I think we had every single set distributed. And we were, wow. you know, it was a big group and it was just crazy. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun because we kind of got to see how people played the characters and stuff like that. So that was kind of neat. Yep. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, I really enjoyed it. Lord in particularly. Um, but I think like speaking of villainous, yeah, I think three or four people at least is what you want yeah. uh, for that. So, and that's one of the challenges. I mean, we, you know, I love finding games that work well to player. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also we play a lot of games that the, the rules are a little different for two player. Yes. And so when you play it with more people, you're you're almost like learning the game over again uh, mm-hmm. or aspects of it. And that's okay, but um, that is one of the drawbacks. And so we, we we've been talking about needing to get out of the game store more often. Um, we used to do it on a pretty regular basis um, during the week and weekend and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that we can kind of reposition our our lives to get back into that kind of mode. Um, it helps when there's food trucks uptown. That does help. <laughs> so so yeah, that's that's what's been sort of on our table. Um, we're hoping, uh, like I said, to get uh, don't forget the kittens out today. But we'll see kind of what where the mood strikes. We still have a few other things on the shelf of shame. I don't know if I mentioned to you that my copy of Distilled showed up. Ah, I think last time okay. we spoke, it had shipped. Uh, right. So I talked about it then. I haven't even taken it out of the plastic yet. But it did come with a really cool shot glass and coast, okay. and coasters. So I'm set up for at least one aspect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, um, well, let's, and speaking of you know things that have popped up, on, we haven't talked about Kickstarter in a while because I was kind of quiet on, mm-hmm. on what I was backing. I've only really backed a couple of things since we last spoke. I okay. F- I finally backed uh let's go to Japan. I see this. Okay. I wasn't really going to do it. I just kind of said, "Nope, I'm just going to let it go." Um did too much on Kickstarter, need a 12-step program for that. So, <laughs> let's just kind of let it go. And then a buddy of mine pinged me, "Hey, are you back in this?" 
<laughs> so Uh-oh. I started looking at it a little bit more. And it wasn't that bad of a of a of a jump in. You know, sometimes there are these ridiculous backing levels. Yes. Whereas this one was either like, hey, there's a standard edition, there's a deluxe edition. We're gonna give you the choice and you're gonna get a little bit of a discount over it if you bought it in the store. And oh, by the way, we're gonna give you all this stretch goals and social goals. I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. That's 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 okay. Because yeah. I've seen one. I think there was one I mentioned a while back that um, all it really was was you got the game ahead of everybody else. There was nothing uh, wow. special about it, you know, which is fine. But yeah. I, but I was kind of like, if that's the only if the only perk is getting it early, I'd rather go buy it from the local game store and give the give the owner the profit. You know, it's the that was the sort of the 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 rub, if you will. Yeah. No, you really do. If you're going for a Kickstarter, you do expect either some stretch goals or a discount or something that kind of sweetens the deal. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I backed that. And then, um, then I, you know, as you know, I've been doing a lot of 3D printing. Yes. And um, this looks really fascinating. Yeah, I want to hear more about this one. Well, it was just one of these things where you can 3D print and sort of mix and match. Um, your printing station. And I think that, um, as I do not, not printing station, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke painting station. I was going to say, and, yeah, it looks cool here. And it's really, it's, it's very much inspired by Legos in the sense that, um, you, you print what you need and then you put it together so that you can either have a drawer or you can have a, um, place for your brushes, a place for your materials. And I think it's really great for a crafty type of studio. And, and although I have some things in my, I have a Milwaukee pack out over here to my right that okay. you don't see on camera that I keep all my paints in. Um, I'm just looking for ways to continually, you know, better organize when I'm not only storing it, but also when I go places, because I typically paint more at the game store than I do at home. Okay. And I'm trying to do more painting at home because I find it very therapeutic but I think part of the thing I find therapeutic about painting minis is being in the store with people talking while we're painting. And so okay. uh, yesterday – So it's a social thing, not yeah. just uh, I'm all by myself. Yeah, okay. It's like painting – it's like playing a game, but you're painting instead. And yeah. um, one of our friend of the show, Christina Stiles, uh, mm-hmm. had a former student of hers from Winthrop come in yesterday. And he was teaching us classical – uh, blending techniques that allowed you to sh- to focus where the light and the eye should go. Huh, so instead nice. of just doing a straight speed paint, it was like we began to layer everything. And so I was at one point. That's one of the reasons I was so frustrated at one point because I was not happy with the way it was going. And uh, you know, here's this young fella. He's been doing painting only since the beginning of the pandemic. And, okay. Um, but he was very, you know, I thought very patient with somebody who was getting very frustrated. Uh, that's good. That's good. And, and he was encouraging. Like, you know, that's good. This could be different. And if you do this, you might be able to get it back on track. As opposed to, I'm really tired of this guy whining. This <laughs> Griffin doesn't look right. Um, and, you know, you saw the pictures that I that uh-huh. I posted on Facebook. And I can put them in the show notes, too, if people are interested. But it was just really... Uh, a fun time to learn the art technique because he was like, this is how the classical painters think about light. 
That's so cool. Uh, and so that was just kind of neat because the other – I like going – that's one of the benefits of going to the store is that we usually get somebody to come in and do sort of a tutorial. And yeah. when I started doing this, the person had done like the slap chop quick. How do you get a – how do you do an army for Warhammer really fast kind of technique? And that's a great technique and that's kind of my base go-to technique. So I think part of the challenge here was it went against my comfort zone. Because usually okay. we, we usually we spray paint the the minis black and then we build up with the slap chop and then build your color on it. This we left the white uh, white grayish primer that right. WizKids puts on their their minis and began to kind of go in reverse order. If that makes sense, it's like mm-hmm. difference between RGB versus cyan, yellow, magenta, black. If you know anything about color science. Uh, see, I can nerd out on any topic. There you go. Um, yeah, so anyway, so that's that's sort of more than I wanted to talk about here because we're talking about Kickstarter. But that's one of the reasons why this appealed to me because I'm finding that although the majority of my paints are Army Painter paints because I, I find them to be economical, I find them to be a high quality. They're not a sponsor. And uh, – <laughs> Easy for me yeah, to no. do, easier for yeah, me that's, to Yeah, that's a popular than, brand, yeah. Yeah, than Citadel. But although I do have for a few reasons. Citadels as well. So I'm I'm just thinking that this this would be a good way to kind of 3D print out my my stuff. And then of course, you know, there's no restrictions. I can print them out and share with people. Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. And I, I love the sort of modular nature of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously I you look I, I have a although it looks like I have this massive space here, it's really a space that is a place for everything and everything in its place kind of space. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of extra, you know, room around. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But anyway, I'm excited about those two things. Um, Yeah. Nothing in the intriguing section for me with uh, Kickstarter. I don't know if you've seen anything uh, intriguing. No, it's been, um, we're in the the last uh, couple of weeks of the semester. The last day of class is eleven days, no, nine days from now. So um, it's been it's been a little more uh, sprint to the end here. So, Got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I am um, I am excited about a couple of things. Uh, I did get the notification on Friday that Darwin's Journey had uh, yeah. finally shipped. And I, I, I kind of remember, I want to say that I have been waiting for this darn thing. I'm, I'm going to pull up my backed projects on Kickstarter because this was one of the very first ones I backed, I think. And no, it's, uh, it's been out there for a while, yeah. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Um, And the reason we backed it is because it was done by the same designers that did Ten Garden, and we're very excited about that. Okay, yeah. So Darwin's Journey was originally supposed to be delivered in November 2021. Ooh, uh, that was a tough time to start. Do- yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that no, no, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, no, look, they've been great. Yeah, you know, there, as we've discussed in the past, there have been others that have not been so great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, no, this has been around for a while. It's been around for a hot minute, but uh, we're very excited about it finally showing up. In fact, it may very well show up on my front stoop while we're doing this recording. Right. That's the one. Okay. I was waiting for that shoe to drop, and that shoe to drop is Darwin's shoe. Yeah. So if that shows up today, the kittens may not 
make it to the table. Aww, I know. Poor it's, kittens. It's, you know, we might forget them today is kind of my point. And yeah. then the other thing that I just quickly threw in the show notes because I completely forgot about it. Uh, I had ordered this months ago from the game store. I saw a video on it. looked really interesting. Haven't pulled it out of the box yet. But Rebuilding mm-hmm. Seattle uh, is now in the collection. And it's... Uh, you know, it's it's a game about the recovery of Seattle after the 1889 fire that burned down most of downtown Seattle. And so you're kind of operating and, and building, rebuilding neighborhoods and stuff like that. So it kind of looked like a an interesting game. And uh, I like it when I order certain things from the store that they hadn't heard of. And they always order two copies, one for me and one to put on the shelf. So <laughs> that's um, awesome. Well, it's only awesome if it sells. Well, that's true. That's true. Because <laughs> I did that with Genotype as well, and I got really nervous because I kept seeing Genotype on the shelf, and I finally said, "Does that sell?" He's like, "Yeah, I keep reordering." I'm like, "Oh, that's good. That's good. That was a that's a that's a much that's a much happier end of that story." <laughs> exactly. Whew. So I hope that I was uh, there for you, man. I hope there's something like that uh, here at uh, Rebuilding Seattle. Yeah. So that's all I have in the. the I've heard the, a little bit about that, but I haven't. Um, and is is this more like a is this a tile placement kind of action that you're going through here? There is uh, there's some tiles. Got. There's some uh, little square markers you keep. There, a lot of the things that you're keeping track of look a lot like uh, tapestry. The way you do that okay. a little bit, or even more like a, if you've ever seen a Weather Machine. I have not. Uh, that's a Vita Lacerda game. Uh, okay. There's a lot of that kind of movement of certain things because you're trying to. I mean, obviously you're rebuilding a city. So think about the things right. you have to keep. If you remember the old uh, Sim Ooh. City game, the video game. Yeah, keeping, never played it. Uh, Alas, yeah, okay. no, I, yeah, nope. <laughs> I used to, I used to, use, I, I live, I live an analog life. Apparently, yeah. I understand. Well, I used to use it as brain candy on a plane. Ah, it's really okay, kind of hard sense. to pull out a board game on a plane and say, "Hey, everybody, let's do that." Yeah. <laughs> so, so it anyway. So it reminds me a little bit of that, but obviously, it's still in the shrink wrap. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. we were, I was um, doom scrolling on a on YouTube one night, and I found a a guy reviewing the game and I started looking through the review and I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is a nice looking game. This is kind of something cool. that would fit our aesthetic. I just didn't know. And it took like three months to get. So I don't know if they, they, uh, kickstarted it or what. I never saw a Kickstarter on it, but I just, uh, I ordered it through the store and he said, yep, we can get it, but it'll be March. And I'm like, okay. I gotta say, man, the, the, uh, the art design is pretty functional. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's still interesting. Wow, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I want to. Know. I'm very curious to see how that goes. And ironically, it's uh, it's published by WizKids. That's funny. Well, it's it's. Um, I mean, I know they publish games. It just it just seemed to me this was a game that I didn't expect to come from them. And maybe that's a bias yeah. that I have because I get their minis and stuff. But uh, yeah. but it seems. But like I said, it seems like a really cool game. Probably wasn't kickstarted. It probably was just sort of done. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I like the little polyominoes. It looks. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's a 60, 120 minutes. Um, weight right in the middle of the weight range. Okay. Yeah. No, it looks. Yeah, looks intriguing. So I will let you know how it goes once we get it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> once you let it on the table there? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So. Um, Moving on to our speaking of wizards, on, yes, on the coast and tabletop role playing games. Um, since we were last together, Dungeons and Dragons did their D and D direct 
uh, at the end of March. And that okay. was around the time they also invited all the influencers out to Seattle uh, to wine and dine them and say, please don't hate us anymore. Um, <laughs> yes. And it was funny because I think around, I think we talked a little bit about that event when we had Megan on a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying that Professor Dungeon Master did not get invited, yet he did do a video about it. Or no, he did a video about – actually, no, I correct myself. He did a video on the, the D&D Direct piece. Um, but there were a couple of things that came out of it that I thought were interesting. And, and, and I'll, I'll kind of jump on the things first that I think are interesting because I think there's more controversial things that we might talk about. I could, number one, care less about their, their – uh, association with Minecraft and D and don't really think that's interesting <laughs> to me, but I'm not a Minecrafter. Nah. I think I know a lot of people that are out there that love Minecraft. And I will say unequivocally mm-hmm. Minecraft is a great platform to get young people into coding. Ah, and so it's a, from a STEM, you know, a STEM, um, priming the prompt with STEM and your, your young person's life. Great thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure there's an audience for it. I'm just not the audience. Well, and, and you know, like, I'm thinking <laughs> Sky, who's in middle school, and all of her buddies mm-hmm. uh, were huge into Minecraft for a while, and they're still older kids who are into it. But it's going to be, I think, it's a fill the pipeline yeah. uh, kind of move too, right? So if we can get sixth graders who are starting to get interested in, you know, oh, what's something that's a little more challenging? Ooh, here's D and D. I've heard about that, right? Um, and you know, get them in, as I said, get them into the pipeline, get them interested, get them thinking, oh yeah, here's, here's this thing I love to do. And I can do this other thing too. And there's this movie that's out, right? Right. Yep. Well, and you know, they also announced all the books that are going to come out this year. You know, Big B presents the glory of the giants and, uh, Fandelver and, um, below the shattered obelisk. And there's this been, there's this theory about all these obelisks that have been in the books that this is kind of like, a there has been some suggestion that this is sort of like a Avengers Endgame kind of thing with the obelisks and the stories that that's going to tie a lot of these books together uh, in a lot of different ways. And then, of course, there's Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse, which, if you uh, remember in the original world of TSR and all that, there was a Planescape book. Uh, and then finally, the one that I think is really interesting is the Deck of Many Things, because I think that's just a fun uh, mechanic that, that you can find in the game. Yeah. Uh, um, I was also, um, pretty interested in the Joe Manganello uh, D and D documentary. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, I think I like about Joe is that he is such a super fan of the game, not just like I showed up late and I'm being paid to be a <laughs> spokesperson. It's like, no, 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 I played this as a kid and he yeah. was, and he made this game so accessible to so many different people because he was not, I mean, cause of the way he, he, he went into it, you know, he was more of a, right. he wasn't the stereotype that we generally associate with the game, I guess is a nice way to say it. I don't know. Yeah, that'll work. And I don't I feel, know. If, I, I feel. Don't, I feel what you're. I feel you there. But yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, not, yeah. Not, but I just think that's great because I remember when uh, he was on the the uh, the first campaign for um, Critical Role. He and uh, he and um, oh, it's uh, 
the guy's name is escaping me. They called themselves Jocks Machina because they were the, <laughs> they were like the the uh, the more of the jock side of the table, which I thought was kind of funny. That is um, nice. I, that name is going to come to me, and I'm going to Travis Willingham. That's ah. who it was, Travis Willingham. I don't know Ooh. why. I don't know why because it's he's married to Laura Bailey, and I th- and they have obviously they've keep their professional names, and I think that always throws me off. Okay. Plus, I didn't expect to talk about that, so I had to think about it. Anyway, uh, so I'm excited about the documentary, and I've also heard rumors, and I haven't confirmed this. So I'm just going to leave this in the rumor mill. All right. That Joe could be working with Paramount on a Dragonlance TV series. Interesting. So a lot of that will depend upon the movie. The movie got a 93% Rotten Tomatoes score, which is fantastic. That's amazing, um, yeah. And everybody that I've heard that has seen the movie thinks it's great. Um, in fact, one person said, I laughed out loud. <laughs> no, I've, I've heard good things about it. I, I Unfortunately, I won't see it until it goes to streaming because I just don't go to theaters. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have the same. I have, yeah, well, toddler makes things tricky. Uh, the thing that I have, uh, the statement that I liked best was someone, I think it might have been the same person, in fact. Who said uh, when I saw the when I saw the movie, it wasn't as if I the trailer was the movie, right? So yeah. there's there's more stuff. Yes. The trailer is just a trailer. It's not the film itself. So that's I've been to many movies, particularly adventure ones, where you're like, oh well, that was yeah, that was everything. So I guess uh, well, damn. Oh well, yeah. Well, and considering it went up against John Wick four when it came out, and it did as well as it did, it did closer to the forty million mark than the thirty million mark, which I think was an arbiter of it. Then the next week, Mario came out, so that, that's going to stunt everybody's growth. But I think, for all intents and purposes, it should make its money back. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know if it will prime itself for a sequel, but it may very well prime itself for the um, the TV show. And this is, I mean, and we're talking about numbers just in theaters. By the, when it gets to streaming, then we'll see what happens. Fair. Then. And honestly, I, I did. I meant to look at it today just to see where Variety says that they are. But the global audience too will be interesting because I don't know. Yeah. You know, we sort of talked about this previously uh, months ago when we were talking about the OGL and, and different markets and stuff. I I have a sense of how D&D plays in the states and Canada and the UK. I don't and I you know I would say Europe as well. Australia probably I'd um, add to that. Yeah, that's fair. The English speaking world, it's a it's an English kind of, yeah. Australia, yeah. New Zealand and and I now that I remember it um a few years back there was a family in the community that had a a, a person a foreign exchange student and the foreign exchange student came to the game store looking for a D&D group. Wow. And I was like, and they were not from, they were like from a, a non-English speaking country. And I was like, okay, okay. okay. So that kind of gives you a sense, but I just don't know how the film will translate globally. Like, I mean, obviously the big market after the United States is China. Right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. A lot of stuff. We'll see. So, um, but obviously there were some, you know, more controversial, uh, are they controversial kind of things that uh, came out yes. of the whole thing? And obviously I, I alluded to it earlier today saying that I was playing a rogue half elf and I have a friend who plays a half elf. I myself play a half elf <laughs> sorcerer. Yeah, I know. 
with ties to the Feywild. Yeah, it's all. Um, so, yeah, and there was this question, I guess, that uh, this idea that uh, wizards is getting rid of um, the half races, particularly half elves, half orcs, the sort of human mixes. And they said, yeah, because these are inherently racist. And I thought, well, yeah, of course they are. That makes sense. Hadn't thought about it yet, but yes, of course. And <laughs> a whole lot of fanboys lost their minds about it. And it occurred to me that um, I, I didn't know why. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, yeah, because as soon as you say half anything and it's and if you change that from half orc, half elf and change it to half black, half Mexican, you go, oh, yeah, of course, we're dealing with Jim Crow and slavery and everything else. And of I'm and I think, oh, right. Of yeah, no, I, I see what that is. If you're a you know middle class white dude happy sitting in your living room playing D D with your other white buddies, it's probably not a problem. But I could see how it could be a bit of a barrier to interest to uh people of color who might think, you know what, they just haven't thought this through. Uh so it was I thought this is a good move. This is a makes sense to me. So I understand what you're saying and I don't disagree with any of it. I think what's the thing I struggle with is then just keep the characters change the way you talk about them because there are a lot of more mixed race people in our world than probably ever at any other time in human history. And I think it will only continue to happen as travel gets easier and people move around and they fall in love with who they fall in love with. Um, it's a shame they can't find another way to, to leave the, 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 the positives of that in the game and just change the terminology to make it less um, offensive. Well, so here's a, a couple of different things. Um, one is that race works differently in D and D than it does in reality. Understood. Right? Yeah. So um, what we think of as race in the real world is, is a construct um, and isn't based in any sort of biology whatsoever. So that's the first problem, right? Um, because if you're saying, because now what you're talking about, if you're talking about D and D world is dwarves, they're a, they're not just a race, they're a species. Right. And so are 100%. elves. Right. And so it's a, it becomes a very different sort of discussion. Of course, all of this isn't a magical world, Absolutely. which isn't real. So any of this stuff can happen, but um, you can just, by doing that sort of half thing, you evoke this history. And so, yeah, it'd be great to live past the implications of that. But right now we're, we're not. Um, and you pull all of that into this fantasy world because we don't live um, because D and D doesn't actually exist in that fantasy world. It actually exists in Omaha and Greenville and, uh, yeah. and Tallahassee. No, hundred percent. Right? And I, I just yeah. think that, that because there's so much um, um, gameplay that happens the way that those certain, certain attributes are, are positioned around certain species and, and mm -hmm. classes and stuff like that. I think if it was just a way to leave the, how do you leave the the mechanic that makes the game interesting, but a, but a, but change the terminology to make it more inclusive? I think it'd be the uh, something to think about as opposed to just saying, "Well, let's just strike it out altogether." I don't know. I, it'll it'll remain to be seen. I think um, as to how it really impacts the game, because mm -hmm. um, obviously they weren't always there. 
Um, yeah, and there and Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything. There was a whole section that kind of started rolling back the whole um, matching up particular races slash species with certain uh, bonuses or negatives, um, and so that opens up a whole lot of you know being able to make some different choices. And you know, one of the fun things about doing the sort of half elf character is you know he's of two worlds. His dad abandoned his mom and now he has to go and find this, you know, and I get that. I, I understand that it's a, it's a nice narrative hook. Um, so I'm sensitive. Am I also sensitive again to the critique that, you know, this is a fan, this is a fantasy world. We can have magical, whatever. Um, so, but I would, I just thought it was funny when, when that the half race thing came up, and people were like, how could this possibly be racist? And I thought, man, <laughs> <laughs> well, I man think, for I, 500 years, it's been a problem. All right. I, I, and longer. I, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's just to your point. It's just, uh, I think everybody's looking for something to be mad about. Hmm. Although somebody, yeah. made, somebody made a really great point that the, really what they should do is eliminate the bard character completely. Oh yeah. <laughs> because the bard character is the reason why they had all these mixed species. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. That's the that's the. That thing. was the that was the thing I saw. I thought that was pretty funny. I like that a lot. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm going to uh, distract the the guard. <laughs> the guard's a teeth like. All right. <laughs> hey. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I think that um, you know, from that particular standpoint, um, it'll be interesting to see how it rolls out. My sense is is mm-hmm. that. Uh, the official game will probably stay the way it is. And then people will play their homebrews the way they play their homebrews. Well, and that's the other thing that I see a lot too, right? It's like, so, um, Watsy says, this is what the rules are. And you're like, well, that's great. You're not showing up in my, you know, on my zoom calls telling me how to play this game. Right. So, right. hundred percent. And, yep. uh, but hopefully people will be, um, mindful of it. <laughs> Well, and what's nice, yeah, exactly. Well, no, it's nice is for them to take these anti-racist states um, stances, um, and you can go and again do whatever homebrew you like. But it's nice to have the the major group saying, "Yeah, we're going to, you know, work against that as much as we can." So I appreciated that about that. So it, it kind of makes me wonder because you know I told you on Hero Quest I was playing a rogue half elf, mm-hmm. and Hero Quest actually put out the special module where you buy that separate. It's like 17 bucks. Oh, so it obviously came with the mythic tier, but I'm, I'm curious if they'll roll that. I wonder if Hasbro, which owns hero hero quest is Hasbro. And it was originally published by Milton Bradley back in 1989. So Hasbro does that wizards of the coast is doing this. I would be curious to see if it populates across the entire um, line of toys and games that they publish. Yeah. And, um, and spoken like a true it guy, that was nice. It populates across. That was yeah. Well, <laughs> occasionally I get one, right. You know? Yeah. No, that was good. So no, but it's, but that is a good question. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. So for- uh, one of the things that's been funny, like picking up, uh, going to target and, finding all of these D and D toys. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Hasbro. That's what you were looking for. Yep. Yeah. And of course they brought back the cartoon characters as, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, little images or, uh, uh, figurines. And mm-hmm. evidently they're playing to two sides. They're playing to the older, you know, you and me guy collectible market. 
as well as to the kids. So yep. it'll be interesting to see uh, how that comes into play. Um, I, I know that they talked a little bit about one D and D and their whole online platform. I, I don't think they went real deep in the weeds on it. I still think they're focused on 2024 for a release. I do know that they're speaking of it. They're using yeah. the unreal engine as sort of their backbone of it, but I don't know um, kind of where they are in the process. I've seen a number of kickstarters coming out lately of competing systems. I saw one today. Yeah. Um, but we'll just sort of have to see how that evolves. I, like I said, I don't really – that aspect of the game doesn't intrigue me as much as the way we play it. Um, yeah. And so we'll have to, to wait and see how that, that comes about. Um, and it's interesting because we talked about – you know, we were talking about the OGL a couple of months ago too that um, one of the things that Watsy D&D kind of does is it goes through these crises and then inspires competitors to <laughs> really step up. And like, well, are we signing? Yeah, what are we doing? And hopefully what you really, really hope is that that inspires then D&D to really step up and try not to screw it up again. But well, it's interesting. We shall see. I was, in a, I was in a group yesterday, and one of the guys in the group was um, supposed to play with a party yesterday. And he didn't want to do another 5e game because he'd been doing it over and over again. And... Ah. Everybody else was like the the Matt Mercer effect. Well, no, we want to play D and D five E. Ah, and he wanted to do something. Um, I forget exactly what what it was, but it was a completely different system. And and they were also kind of talking about Pathfinder two E versus the original. And and it was just kind of interesting that that despite all the kerfuffle and noise, this is what I was. This is my takeaway of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Despite all the kerfuffle and noise at the beginning of the year, I think Dungeons and Dragons will remain as the Kleenex FedEx of this genre and that it will be fine. Yep. And they're certainly um, working very hard for that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, that that is going to be one of the outcomes. And I think, you know, as they kind of continue, there was always going to be something that Wizards of the Coast is going to publish that is going to make a an aspect of their fan base go nuts yep. and it's not just unique to D and D it's also unique to their magic, the gathering and um, still a game. I don't play game that I could care less about. <laughs> it is all over my FGLS or mm-hmm. FL, FLGS. I always get that wrong. That's fine. Um, no. And the, uh, I mean the, both the new decks, the uh, tournaments, the local games, the secondary market where it kind of goes through the, you know, the FLGS buys the cards and then sells them for a yeah. mark. Yeah, no, every, everyone seems to have, I mean, it's a nice little engine for them as it were. Yep. And it's, and it's working. I mean, I did the store is doing great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited by that. You know, I, I obviously you know, my friend owns a store. I want to see him be successful. Sure. But the other thing I would say is that yesterday while I was in there and I was in there for about four hours. Mm hmm. Um, there was a group playing magic. Oh yeah. There was a group playing board games. We were painting and there was a lot of Warhammer going on in the back. So I like <laughs> a store. I like a store that has got that kind of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even a, a, a couple of folks that came in and rented the 
one of the things you can do is spend five bucks and just go sit down at a table and take a game off the, the, the shelf that they have in the back that's already opened. Right. And this, these two folks picked out Tang Garden, which is one of my favorites. Same people that published Darwin's Journey that we've been waiting on. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a great time. And, of course, the five bucks gets you a coupon that if you buy anything in the store, it's $5 off. So you're really just kind of trying it before you buy it. Kind of yeah, thing, which is awesome. pretty cool. So watch that happen yesterday. So lots of stuff um, going on in the space, which uh, which was nice. Even though that magic has been fueling a lot of their growth this year, it's, it was still sure. nice to see. You know, now you go in there on certain nights of the week, and all magic it's all the time. All magic all the time. That's exactly yeah. right. So, uh, which is fine. Yeah. Totally fine. So um, I know we're kind of coming up on the hour here. We got a few more things to kind of chit chat about. Um, I, I just want to talk briefly about some uh, 3D tabletop printing that I've been doing. Yeah, man. Largely, uh, I found on printables dot com, which mm-hmm. is a website that is put out by another 3D printer manufacturer that I don't own. I own the AnyCubic series, um, but they have some really nice. Um, prints that people it's a it's a crowd share kind of website and so i have gone through and found all of the insert game inserts that you can 3d print and i've put them in a collection nice and even if i already have an insert for the game i went ahead and tagged it put it there and so i printed out um an insert for betrayal at house on the hill third edition which it took a while for somebody to actually design that because there's a lot of nuance to that game versus second edition as it relates to the size and the the bits and where they go, et cetera. So okay. that was, that was a great. And then um, I talked about garden pal at the beginning of this, um, mm-hmm. that somebody had done a um, insert for the garden bow series. Now, what I didn't tell you is that garden bow comes with cardboard bits for your dominoes. Okay. And then you can buy an add on that, turns all that into wood. That's cool. So that's what we did. That's why if you saw the original picture that I posted, there's two boxes. All right. So I haven't even punched out the cardboard. So I put all the wooden pieces in the pieces that I printed. And then I also was able to print out um, the wheelbarrows and um, – get it all to fit in the box. And I've just basically wow. like, okay, I can put it in either box. And then, um, then one of the, the, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, who was one of my former scouts that was in the store. I, that was playing the game. I printed a copy for him, a set for him so that he, ah, nice. he could do the same thing. Cause he was the one that kind of turned me onto the game. So yeah, you'd I, show me a picture of the betrayal of house on the hill organizer. And it kind of looks like the house from the cover, which was, pretty slick i don't know if that was just because that's how the bits well it was, uh, it's funny out or just uh just looks fun i think it's i think it's a little bit of both i think the person who designed it the, what they did is they gave you so my i have the any cubic cobra plus which is a 300 millimeter by 300 millimeter plate to print on and it's 350 millimeters tall in terms of what you can build so that's your so 300 millimeters cube 300 millimeters is about, it's a 12 by 12. It's a foot by a foot by a little over a foot. 
is what your your space is for those of you who like me grew up in the 70s under jimmy carter and now know nothing about metric systems or the american system thank you thank you mr carter habitat for math anyway um so i was able to the the way he designed it or they designed it i don't know um was that you would just print it all on one sheet so it took up your whole 300 by 300 area and they have what is known as an apron between each print and so when you get it what you saw there you actually break it apart okay the way that it fits in the box um fits in a very particular way Uh, Um, all right and it's actually you have to have a really good calibrated printer because this these one set of bits if you don't, if you can't get the top on them, they could go all over the insert of the game. So they did, it did a nice job printing out. <laughs> I was very pleased with that. And then the the printables for the garden bow, same thing. Um, I printed them in different colors. So I did three in a light green, three in a dark green, and then I mix and match some of the other things so that you can kind of give it some some interesting character on the board. Uh, I did the wheelbarrow in brown. My wife wants me to redo them in red because she thinks the red wheelbarrow is more poetic. I don't know. Ah, yeah. So, so much depends upon that thing. And the wheelbarrow came, interestingly, with a 75-millimeter version and an 85-millimeter version. And then each version also has the ability to be one wheelbarrow with a divider. So you can put the bits. And, and oh. you're thinking about it. If I do it in red, I will probably do two in uh, with a divider and that way each person when you're playing a two-player game you can kind of divide up the bits that you might need for currency and stuff and just kind of keep them close to you that's cool just a thought yeah just a thought i like it so that that was kind of fun and i'm I'm really enjoying kind of digging into seeing what other inserts are there and then talking going back and talking about hero quest the gentleman who brought it had some inserts for that and i'm like oh where did you find those he goes oh i did it so I'm, okay. I'm looking more into some of the websites and the software that allow you to design your own. I think it would be kind of fun to get a game that needs an insert and then just figure out yourself what would it what would it take to make this happen. So that might be something I talk about in the future. I don't know. Sure. No, that'd be cool. So you mentioned that it uh, it's coming up on the end of the semester. Does that mean yes. that your students are getting to do some gameplay? They have. So uh, they finished their second big paper, uh, which was, you know, tedious for them. And then uh, I got to grade them all, which was also tedious. But uh, I think they made some good progress. So that's nice. And so, of course, at the end of each project, we have a little game day. And a couple of these games were very familiar. We played the game, the game, the yeah. cards, you know, making sure. things up to 100, down to 100. Uh, Just One, which is a sort of contemporary classic party game of... You know, um, there's one clue that the clue guesser doesn't know. Everybody else writes down one word, just one. Um, They show it to each other. If any of them match, they go away. And then the clue guesser turns around and they get one guess of what the actual word is. It's a super fun game. If you haven't played it, um, it's all over the place. Great. Um, Played. I also gave them a... Somebody had mentioned playing some sort of classic abstract with uh, their parents. And I said, well, here, have you ever played Ingenious? Oh, uh, they were talking about playing uh, Blockus. So I brought Ingenious and they played it initially a little bit wrong. So I think that took some of the, the joy out of it, but still. But my favorite from all of this was I brought a copy of Hey, That's My Fish. Okay. And Hey, That's My Fish has been around since I want to say the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. 
and it's still around. You can still pick it up. And it's this, you've got these little hexagonal tiles with different numbers of fish on them, one to three. You're supposed to turn them over and then turn them, you know, smush them around and then turn them back over in basically a rectangular shape. Uh, And then you put your little adorable um, penguin meeples out there on the one leveled fish. And on your turn, you just move along a straight line, however far you want to go, and then pick up the tile that you just left. So the board is shrinking constantly. And at the end, when nobody can move anymore, the number of fish you have on those tiles, that's your final score. So they got into this. And they played about, they were like, oh, well, this is a kid's game. This is, looks great. I said, yeah, it's, a, it's easy to do. So they got about four turns into it and were like, oh, this is mean. <laughs> it's like, yes. So that group for the next hour played, I want to say, five or six games of Hey, That's My Fish. They were like, nope, we're done. This is what we're doing. And so they were trying out different strategies and doing Different, yeah. It was super fun to watch them go from, oh, well, here's a quick kids game, and then before we do something else, never looked back. The whole time I've been thinking about Bobby Hill going, hey, that's my purse. I don't know you. (laughs) Hey, that's my fish. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a super great, light little game. Again, you can still pick it up all over the place. Um, It's kind of an evergreen title. Um, Yeah. And awesome. it was just fun to watch them lose their minds over it. No, that's great. That's great. So I'm glad that they got to play some games. And will there be another opportunity to play games between now and exams? Oh, well, that's the um, so asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, because uh, last day of classes and was like uh, nine days or so. And after that, there's a reading day and then exams. Right. And so what has happened in the past is that everybody wants to leave by the end of the school year. Right. Right. So there's this kind of exam creep thing where the professors are finally like, you know what? Uh, it's a Tuesday, Thursday class. It's long enough to take the final. Why don't you just show up here? We'll tail, do the final on the last day and then no exam. Um, so Furman has this, we really want you to have an exam, an exam experience, if not an exam itself. So for our exam experience, it's going to be two and a half hours of, of board games. And I'll bring coffee and bagels and we'll sit in the uh, English department lounge and, have three tables going. It'll be See, fun. I, I think you should do like a, a, a big, like one shot campaign where they, to pass the class, they have to defeat <laughs> the boss. Oh yeah, that's right. See that. Okay. Be... Uh, you're all, there's 12 of you. Second level. It'll be great. Here's Strahd. Go. Yeah. Yeah. That'll work. That's funny. Just one final boss fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it'll be, it'll, and then what's also fun for me is thinking, Hmm. Now what? games do i put in that bag that i'm bringing um i'll definitely bring hey that's my fish back and just one but what else what else yeah so, no that's it's a fun challenge if you don't have betrayal at house on the hill that's a good one i have uh betrayal at Baldur's gate okay well that's that's a good one too yes um you at least get five people off on their own and uh the, there's enough variant variation in the book to kind of give it make it interesting let the haunting begin. Yes. Yes. So cool. Well, um, that's all I have this week for lay it on the table. Um, anything else from you, James? That's all I've got too. 
All right. Well then we, and thank you for listening to our episode today. Uh, we ask you to please follow us at lay it on the table dot show. And from there you can head on over to Apple podcast or your favorite podcast and leave us a, a five stars and a review would be nice. But if you want to leave a snarky comment or talk about a game that we may have left out or give your opinion on something that we said or didn't say, please feel free to do that as well. You can also find us on lay at uh, board game geek in two places. We have a guild, uh, you'll find us at Guildview 4084, which of course is laying on the table. And of course you can find a link to the podcast from there as well. And then finally you can follow us on YouTube at the geek and Southern, uh, YouTube channel. And I will put all links to all of those connections in the, 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 the show notes below as usual. I am Joe Mahaffey. I am not bored. I am bored gaming. And I'm James Englehart, hoping that all your tiebreakers break your way. See you next time. One, two, three, four.